This morning, our scripture reading is found in the book of Acts, beginning in chapter 8, verse 26 through 40. You can find this passage on page 843 of the Burgundy Bible, located in the rack in front of you. If you do not own a Bible, please feel free to keep this Bible as our gift to you. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go towards the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, Go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, Do you understand what you are reading? And he said, How can I, unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before its shearer is silent. So he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with the scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop. And they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away. And the eunuch saw him no more, and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus, and as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. This is the word of the Lord. Well, my name is Gary Weber. I'm the pastor at Southside, and let me just uh, add to what everyone else has said. Welcome. We're glad you're here. If you're a first-time guest or if you're joining us online, we're so glad you're a part of our service uh, this morning. Um, One of the things that you need to know about Southside is that we uh, measure our success not by our seating capacity, but by our sending capacity. What I mean by that is um, we are not um, counting people in the pews and somehow deceiving ourselves into thinking that getting more people in this room is uh, the only measure of success. In fact, it's not the primary measure of success. The primary measure of success is when people come here and are changed and equipped and leave here and live on mission with God in the world. And so that's how we determine our success, how we measure our success. And so the problem that we have in a church is when we find a good one, and I think I found a good one, I think you have too, I think we, many of us in this room agree this is a good one, we like it, we get very comfortable, and we don't want to leave it. We don't want to leave the thing that is comfortable to us, the thing that is familiar to us. The early disciples Uh, had this same problem. In fact, it's part of our human nature and character. It's just how we're wired. We find something that's comfortable, we find something that's convenient, and we sort of camp out there. And the disciples had done the very same thing. Jesus, before he ascended back to heaven, said, hey guys, listen, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you, and you're going to receive power, and you're going to be my witnesses First in Jerusalem, which is right where they were. That was home. That was where they were comfortable. And then Judea and Samaria, that's kind of the area surrounding. And then finally to the ends of the earth. 
But the disciples, because they were so comfortable, actually didn't leave Jerusalem right away. They kind of camped out there, and they had great success, and the church was growing. God was doing amazing work through the disciples. And then something, something really tragic happened. Uh, one of the early Christians, his name was Stephen, was executed for his faith that he would not deny Jesus uh, having been raised from the dead. And so he was stoned to death. And then persecution broke out among the Christians. And nothing will scatter people more than persecution. Because suddenly you're not comfortable anymore. And because we're not comfortable anymore, we begin to move out. So the disciples began to leave Jerusalem and to scatter out from that place. And this story is actually found in your Bible. There's a book of your Bible called Acts. It's after the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, all tell the story of Jesus from four different perspectives. And then the book of Acts tells what happens after the Gospels in the early church. And this particular, this particular account comes from Acts chapter 8. And uh, we looked at it just a little bit ago in our service. I invite you to open your Bible there. But we are in a series where we are looking at cha- chapter, Acts chapter 8 through Acts chapter 12. And we're calling this series Breakout because this is when the disciples broke out of Jerusalem and began to carry the gospel to the ends of the earth. And the reason it's important for us is because much like the disciples, we are attracted to what is comfortable and what is familiar. But if we want to follow Jesus... We have to be willing to break out of where we are comfortable to follow him to the ends of the earth where it may not be so comfortable. This series is called a call to break out, a call to leave Southside Baptist Church because we measure our success not by our seating capacity but by our sending capacity. So we're looking at each of these stories and we're seeing how did the disciples, what did they have to break out of in order to follow after Jesus and we're trying to do the same thing. How can we follow Jesus, what do we have to break out of? Now, I've got a couple goals, simple goals for this series. First of all, I want to change the way we think about church. I want to change the way we think about church. Because church is not a building, it's a body. Church is not a meeting, it's a movement. And yet, in our culture, in Western society, we think so much about church, we think about this place. And this is a great place. I love this place. I love this building. I feel so close to God when I come here and when I worship with you. But we understand that this is not the church. The building is not the church. The meeting that we have at 11 on Sunday, as important as it is, it is not the meeting that, that ultimately will matter. It's the movement of the gospel. And I want to change the way we think about the church and how we define the church. The other thing I want us to do is I want to challenge you to move from complacency to action. Because for so many of us, our faith has been something complacent. It's been we sit and we listen to someone tell us about the the Bible and what it teaches. We either in a worship service or in a small group or we sit and we read our Bible and that's good. We need to do that, but that's not the fullest expression of our faith. The fullest of expression of our faith is when we begin to carry our faith into our workplaces, into our schools. And so I want to challenge us to move from complacency to action. And finally, I want to remind all of us that Jesus did not call us to come and stay. He called us to go and tell. And if we want to walk with Jesus, we have to follow him as he is on a mission in the world. That's where we will grow in our faith most is when we're walking with Jesus in the mission that he's called us to. Now, we started the series last week by looking at a character by the name of Philip in the first part of Acts chapter 8. Now, you need to know that just like today, in this room, we have multiple people named John. We have probably about 25 Bettys in this room, even right now. There were a lot of people in the New Testament who had the same name. 
This Philip is not the Philip who was a disciple of Jesus. This Philip is an early follower. He was one of the first deacons of the church, but he was just a common, ordinary churchgoer, just like all of you in this room. He was, he was, not, he was not an apostle. He was a follower of Jesus, but he, it was not his profession or his job. And, and we looked last week at the story of Philip, and we said that the first thing that we needed to break out of was we needed to break out of a consumer Christianity. And we looked how Philip did this, that he did not wait on the professional clergy to tell him what to do. He, Jesus had already told him what to do, and he was being obedient. And so we talked about how we had to break out of a consumer Christianity, that salvation is not a commodity to be sold, it's the free gift of God. We talked about how our mission, our target audience is not a limited, but in fact, we've got a market share that's the entire world. Jesus didn't call us just to go reach people who look like us, but he called us to cross boundaries and barriers in order to reach all the world with the message of the gospel. Now this week we're going to follow Philip and Philip's story to see what happened next. After he had this experience in Samaria, what took place? And what we're going to talk about today, the, the breakout that we're going to discuss, is this idea that if we are going to follow Jesus, we must break out of our prison of convenience and comfort. And you think, well that doesn't even make sense, because comfort and convenience doesn't sound like a prison. But it can be a prison. And I think for many of us in this culture, in the wealth that we enjoy in America, even the poorest among us have more resources and comfort and conveniences than most of the world has today. We find ourselves in a prison of comfort and convenience that restrains us and holds us back from doing all that Jesus is calling us to do, inviting us to do. And and here's why this is important. Because convenience and comfort are an ever-moving target. It always takes more to get the same level of satisfaction. Let me just use a couple of illustrations when it comes to convenience and comfort. Three specific illustrations. Maybe you can relate to this. I remember having to wait an entire year to watch The Wizard of Oz. How many of you remember that? Right? Like it came on, I don't know what, remember what time of year, but it was a big deal because my mom let me stay up late and we, and we watched The Wizard of Oz and we had to watch it in real time. If the power went out, you were done. You missed, you had to wait a whole other year. I mean, it was, that's just how it was. Now some of you have no idea what I'm talking, you can't conceive of such a world. It really existed, I promise. And here's what, but here's what happened. Then, then we began to get videotapes. And, and stores popped up, and you could go and you could rent movies. Remember that? Remember going to Blockbuster? And so you'd sit down like it's, it was pizza and movie night, and we got to go rent a movie. And you'd go to the movie store, and, you'd, and we thought, man, this is awesome because we can watch whatever we can find in the store whenever we want to watch it. And we'd go, and we'd go up and down the aisles to find something to watch. And we thought, man, this is great. We'd never go back to those days where you had to wait a whole year to watch what you wanted. Now, now, now fast forward to today. You don't even have to leave your house. You can dial it up on the internet, Netflix, whatever source you're going to, you can find it, you can watch it like that. And you, now, be honest, you are frustrated if it takes more than a minute for that movie to load. <laughs> right? Am I right? Because comfort and convenience is an ever-moving target. It, it just, it, you're, it's ne- if you were to go back and have to cook without a microwave, some of you wouldn't eat. <laughs> it's, so it's an ever-moving Let me give you another example. A phone call. How many of you remember when there was one phone in the house? Yeah, I promise you, those of you over here didn't raise your hand, it's real. (laughs) The the struggle was real. I mean, and if you had siblings, you got like five, I mean, I remember you could have five minutes on the phone, that was it. The timer was was running and everybody in the house heard what you were saying because the phone was like in the kitchen, right? 
And so then we started getting cell phones, and then we started getting smartphones, and now all of a sudden, you know, like we, we can't, if you leave your house without your phone, you'll turn around and drive 10 miles to go get it. But why? Because convenience and comfort, it just as entices us, it pulls us in. And we could go through lots of other examples. Convenience and comfort is always a moving target. And it doesn't matter how comfortable or convenient things may seem, we always want more and more and more. And here's what it does to us as a culture and as individuals. We have little or no tolerance for anything that we determine to be inconvenient. None. We don't want to wait for anything. We don't want to stand in line. We don't want to do anything that's going to take time. Because if it's inconvenient, it's clearly not of the Lord. That's how we think. So the problem for those of us who've committed our lives to following after Jesus is that following after Jesus is seldom, if ever, convenient. Did you see the problem that we have? Now let me say that one more time for you. Because some of you who are are here and you're thinking about becoming a Christian, I'm not going to sugarcoat this for you. You need to know going in, following Jesus is seldom comfortable or convenient. And so it runs counter to everything our culture teaches us about what we strive for. Convenience and comfort, convenience and comfort. We have become so addicted to comfort, so addicted to convenience, that we assume that anything that is inconvenient, anything that is uncomfortable, is not from God. It cannot be God's will if it requires me to be uncomfortable. That's how we think. Whether we consciously think that way or not, it's how we think. Now, I think what we find in this passage that Sam read for us earlier is three things that Philip had to sacrifice in order to be able to follow Jesus. Three conveniences, three things that Philip had to overcome in order, to, in order to, for God to use him the way that he did. He had to go out of his way, first of all, He wasn't going that direction. He had to go somewhere he wasn't planning to go. He had to step out of his comfort zone and talk to somebody that by cultural standards he would not have normally talked to. And he had to set aside his desire to control the circumstances and the outcome. So if we, if you and I are going to experience God, if we as a church are going to experience God, if we as individuals are going to experience God, we have to understand that a spiritual breakout will be these same will have these same qualities for us that if i am going to experience a spiritual breakout it will be number 1 out of my way a spiritual breakout will always require me to go out of my way look what it says in acts chapter 8 verse 26 and 27 now an angel of the lord said to philip rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from jerusalem to gaza this is a what kind of place desert place All the way through the Bible, from the Old Testament to the New, the desert always is symbolic for a place of suffering and trial. And so guess what the Holy Spirit says to Philip? Philip, I know you're in Samaria. You're already out of your comfort zone because your home's in Jerusalem. You're with a bunch of people you don't know. You're a bunch of people that culturally you may not even like. Guess what I want you to do now, Philip? I want you to go to the desert. I want you to get down and go on this road and go to the desert. And this is is where God is calling him. And I want you to, and and then what did he do? It says, he rose and he went. Now, some of us think, when we read passages of scripture like this, you may be tempted to think, well, if an angel of the Lord appeared to me and said that, I'd do it too, right? But, But think, the Bible doesn't tell us exactly what this was like. How are we to know that this angel of the Lord that appeared to Philip didn't come to Philip much the same way God has spoken to you in subtle nudges and promptings. 
And we read this and we think that somehow this was such an obvious manifestation, physical manifestation, and maybe it was. But what if it wasn't? What if Philip was just so in tune with God, so in tune with the Holy Spirit, that it was as if the angel of the Lord physically were in front of him and said this? I don't know. Maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. But my point is this. When the Holy Spirit prompts you to follow him and to move out of your way, it's the same God prompting you that stood physically in front of the disciples in the form of Jesus. It's the same God that spoke to Philip and told him to go. And we, we have to be willing, if we're going to break out of this prison of comfort and convenience, we have to be willing to go out of our way. Every character in the Bible fulfills this example. You go back and you read about Moses living in a, a place that was his home. It was his dad's home. It had been their family home for years. He was an old man. He was married to an old woman. And God said, pack up your bags and move. He's going to have to go out of his way. Moses, 80 years old, he was a fugitive living in the desert. He had a good job working for his father-in-law. And God said, I want you to go back and I want you to deliver my head to move out of his way. The disciples, every one of them, they were fishermen. One was a tax collector. One was a zealot. They, were, they, they, had, a, they had a path before them. And they had to be willing to move out of their way in order to follow Jesus where he was calling them. Paul was going to be probably the chief of among the Pharisees, the high priest at some point. In order for him to follow Jesus, he had to step outside of his plans in order to follow what Jesus had called him to do. All of them had set aside their plans and their directions that they had charted for their own lives in order to follow God's plan. Why do we think it would be any different for us? It's consistent throughout Scripture, Old and New Testament, that they always had to set aside their plans for their life. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, many of you may have, re, may have remembered this. Uh, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. That is, that is, a, that is a verse about direction. And setting aside your own plans, setting aside your own purposes, and following after him. That he will direct your path. But we have to be willing to move out of our plans. We have to be willing to step outside of our agenda in order to follow him. And this means we have to respond to those spiritual nudges. Some of you know what I'm talking about? Those nudges that come and you don't know why, but all of a sudden you're driving somewhere and some crazy thought crosses your mind. Now, listen, it could have been bad pizza. Don't, don't think every crazy idea you have is God's idea. But, but there are times when God is speaking to you and it seems to come out of nowhere and there's a direction and you know that by doing this it's going to be inconvenient but you also know that if you do it it's clearly in alignment with what God teaches in the scripture by serving someone, caring for someone, expressing love to someone, sharing the gospel, whatever it is it clearly aligns with the scripture. So even if it was bad pizza, it can't be a bad mistake, right? But how often do we not step out of our way in order to take the detour that God wants us to go on, in order to be obedient to what he's called us to do? But if we're going to break out of the prison of convenient and comforts, if we're going to follow God, we have to be willing to do that. I want to share with you an email uh, from, from someone who's been visiting our church. And uh, I asked her permission. She said I could share this with you. She, this is what she wrote in an email to me. Good evening, Pastor Weber. Funny you emailed me today. I enjoyed the service yesterday. I traveled for work and this morning hopped in an Uber to go get my rental car. My brain already going a mile a minute preparing for a busy week. The driver was an older lady and she started a conversation. Asked how my week was. I started just to say great and get back to planning. But your sermon came to mind. 
I put my phone in my purse and stopped with my week was great. I enjoyed church service so much. I set my mind right for a great week. How was yours? She stated she had worked and missed services. We talked for a while. I asked how long she'd been driving. She opened up that she wasn't where she thought she'd be. I shared some of my journey and my thoughts about how hard we fight instead of letting God take over and understand you are right where he wants you to be. She has a church home, but I told her about the devotional I'm reading, Jesus is Calling. Before I got out, she thanked me and said I'd made her day, but really, she made mine. It's a small start, but I would not have spoken so freely if not for the message Sunday, so thank you. Now, I, I appreciate the, the acknowledgement and the thanks, but that was the Holy Spirit, that wasn't me. That happens all the time. You know it does. Come on, you know it does. What would it look like this week if you, every time the Holy Spirit nudged you, you just did what he told you to do? It would be really inconvenient. That's how it would be. And sometimes it would be very uncomfortable. But just like this email, you would find that your faith would grow. Now, you'd have, you could have positive impacts on other people, but I think there's a reciprocal blessing that comes back when we're obedient to the Holy Spirit, and you'll find yourself growing in your faith. I double-dog dare you to try it this week. I don't think anything bad would happen. That doesn't mean it wouldn't be hard or inconvenient. But I think that's what it means. We have to, if we're going to have spiritual breakout, we have to move out of our way. We have to move out of my way. Second thing that it teaches us, is that a spiritual breakout will be out of my comfort zone. Out of my comfort zone. Look at Acts uh, chapter 8, verse 27 through 30. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of Ethiopia, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you are reading? Now this, this is a very uncomfortable encounter, as you can imagine. First of all, Candace, this title, is really a title for the queen mother of Ethiopia, that the, the son, who would be, actually be the king, was considered to be a deity and therefore uh, could not be burdened with running the nation. So by tradition, his mother ran the nation, and her title was Candace. And so this was the treasurer for Candace. This was the treasurer for Ethiopia, a, pretty, a person of very high influence in the nation of, of Ethiopia. What's really interesting about this is if you go back to the Old Testament and read the story of King David, you will read the story of the Queen of Sheba who came to Jerusalem, learned about the God that David worshipped, experienced worship in the temple, and went back to her home country. Most scholars believe that that many of the people in Ethiopia worshipped the one true God of Israel because Sheba actually had gone back and established that tradition. That's why this this accountant, this uh, financier for the the kingdom, was in Jerusalem worshipping. Because that was just the tradition of the people that the Queen of Sheba had brought back. So here he is. He's a high official. And he is in this chariot. He's reading Isaiah 53. He has no idea what he's reading. And the, the, the spirit has already told Philip, hey, I want you to go on this road. He had no idea why, but he went there. And suddenly the chariot comes by and the Holy Spirit says, that's why. Because I want you to, I want you to run alongside of that chariot. Now just imagine this in your head. This chariot's going down the road and Philip's running beside it. That's why I had Sam read today because he's a runner. And so he's running beside the chariot, speaking. It's probably uncomfortable. It's outside of his comfort zone. 
And, and here's why it's so incredibly difficult. Because first of all, Philip is Jewish. This is an Ethiopian. For the Jews, it was considered to be, it was considered to be immoral to defile yourself by interacting with non-Jews. The second reason it would have been so uncomfortable is because Philip was a commoner. This person was clearly someone of high influence, and now Philip is running beside. And then Philip's got to ask the question, hey, what are you reading? And then he's confronted with this passage of Scripture. And he says, who is this talking about? And Philip says, Jesus. I mean, the Holy Spirit had teed this up for Philip. All Philip had to do was be willing to tell what he already knew. He wasn't responsible for saying anything he didn't know. He was responsible for saying things he already did know. And so this was an encounter that Philip had. But he had to be willing to move outside of his comfort zone. He had to be willing to cross some boundaries in order to have this conversation with this Ethiopian eunuch. And here's what's so incredibly important about this passage of Scripture. This is the first non-Jew to come to faith in Luke's gospel. The first non-Jew who put their faith in Jesus. And listen, it was not a white European. It was a black man from Africa. I think that gets lost on us. That we don't understand how incredibly radically inclusive the message of the gospel was from the very beginning. And it wasn't to be politically correct. It was to be consistent with the message of the gospel, which God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him. The gospel was in Africa long before it was in Europe because of Philip's obedience to cross some cultural and moral boundaries in order to answer these questions of this guy. Now, Philip maintained his personal integrity. He didn't compromise anything that, was, that, that would have made him disobedient to what God had called him to do. But he was willing to break out of some customs and some norms that had been imposed upon him for generations in order to follow after Jesus. There's a great book um, by a sociologist by the name of Bill Bishop. It's a book called The Big Sort. Um, and in this book, uh, Mr. Bishop describes how America is resegregating itself. Segregation ended you know, a long time ago. There's still effects of it in our world today. But, but what's interesting is that now what's happening is that we're doing it on our own. We primarily only live with people who look like us and think like us. In fact, there are po- politicians who are smart enough to know that they can find hotbeds of liberalism and conservatism, Democrats and Republicans, and they can target their ads because people want to live around people who agree with them and think like them and look like them. That is completely contrary to the message of the gospel. In fact, it's contrary to the nature of Jesus, that God himself would take on flesh and come and dwell among us, that he became one of us. And that part of it for Christians, if we're going to be able to follow Jesus, we have to be like him in that we have to be incarnational. We have to step out of our comfort zone and sometimes step into the world of somebody else in order to communicate the message of the gospel to them. So if we're going to break out of comfort and convenience Uh, We we have to understand that we're going to have to go out of our way. We're going to have to go out of our comfort zone. And finally, we're going to have to recognize that it is out of my control. Now, this may be the hardest for some of us. Out of my control. Look what happened in uh, verse 37 and following. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, see, here's water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop. This is, remember, this is the Ethiopian Official commanding the chariot to be stopped. 
And they both went down into the water, Philip and eunuch, and he baptized him. So Philip baptized, spontaneous baptism right there. Here's water, let's do this. Philip did not, this is a repeat from last week, Philip did not go back and find the professional clergy and say, hey, I got a guy I need you to baptize. He just did it. Here's the, here it is, we're going to baptize you. And he baptized him. And, they were, and, and when they came up out of the water, this is incredible. The Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away. I have no idea where he went how that looked, what that looked like. Carried him away, and the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus, and as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. Now, this is, this is a fascinating story. Now, I don't know if it was just like, you know, beam me up, Scotty, and Philip is just gone. I don't know, you know, I don't know what happened, but clearly in this, it's something miraculous is happening, something out of the ordinary is happening. Philip's just gone. He's not there anymore. I don't know what it was like when Philip opened his eyes and he was somewhere else. I don't know how he got there, but guess what he does when he gets to this other place, Azotus? He just keeps doing what he'd been doing and sharing the story of Jesus. Because everywhere you go, there you are. Everywhere you go can be your mission field. As you are going, be my witnesses in your school, in your workplace, in the store, in your community, in your house. And so Philip just kept doing what Philip was doing. And here's what's so fascinating. If you talk to some of our friends who are working in Ethiopia and in that part of the world, they will tell you that Christianity has been there for centuries and millennia. How did Christianity get to Ethiopia? Philip. Not because he had a strategy and a plan to reach the Ethiopians, but because he was obedient to the Spirit to do one thing. And by sharing the gospel with one person, the message of the gospel was carried back to Ethiopia. And hundreds of years later, when the rest of the church finally caught up with God and started sending missionaries, the missionaries got there and guess what they found? There were already Jesus followers there. You have no idea what your step of obedience will do, the ripple effects of it. You may think you are having an uncomfortable conversation with somebody that you are standing next to in the line at Publix. And it will only be when you get to heaven, and that's only if God decides he's going sh- to share all this with you, that you may see the influence that that had, that that one act of obedience had for, through the ripple effects for generations to come. You have no way of knowing. Which is why it is so important that we are willing to step out of our way, that we're willing to step out of our comfort zone, that we're willing to give up control. Philip was not responsible to identify the Ethiopian as the target. The Holy Spirit did it. Holy Spirit said him. Talk to him. Well, wait a minute, Holy Spirit. He doesn't look like me. He's not Jewish. Talk to him. Well, wait a minute, Holy Spirit. He's like a royal official. He's important. I'm a nobody. I, 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 he's not even slowing down the chariot. Run beside it, Philip, and talk to him. Philip's responsibility was just to be obedient. Philip wasn't even responsible for the consequences. He wasn't even responsible for the Ethiopian's response. He was just responsible to be obedient. And that was it. People's response to the gospel, people's response to your act of love and service that the Holy Spirit prompts you to offer them is not in your control, but your obedience is. And all we're called to do is to be obedient. So let me wrap this up with a couple thoughts. First of all, what does this mean for us as a church? I I think it means that as a church, as a congregation, a fellowship of believers, we're going to have to go out of our way. We're going to have to hold our plans loosely as a church. Doesn't mean we don't make plans. 
It just means we have to hold them loosely because if the Holy Spirit says to do something else, we need to be ready to do what the Holy Spirit tells us to do. And and from my 10 years of history here uh, as a senior pastor, I will tell you this, that God has done his best work at Southside in spite of our plans, not because of them. I mean, I'm just being as honest as I can be. I mean, it was not in our plans. It was nobody's long-range plan for us to plant a Corinne church in the city of Jacksonville to have property in Arlington for them. It was not in anybody's plans to start an ESL program. We just responded to needs as the Holy Spirit led. It was not in anybody. It was not in our long-term plan to plant city church uh, right in Landon, Landon Middle School right next to us. And, and as they're reaching people with the gospel in our community, it was not in our plan. Listen, if we had followed our plans, I wouldn't even be your senior pastor. Because the truth is, I didn't fit the criteria you set up. And guess what? I didn't want the job anyway. (laughs) But 10 years later, here we are. And and listen, I am glad that I was obedient to the Holy Spirit and set outside my, and I'm glad you were obedient to the Holy Spirit. But do you understand the point here? That we have to recognize that we're going to have to go out of our way and hold our plans loosely because God's plans are always better. Doesn't mean we don't make plans. We just hold them loosely. The second thing I think it means for us is that we have to step out of our comfort zone. We must continue to fight the urge to make church comfortable and convenient for us, forgetting about the lost who are all around us. At Southside, we acknowledge that the church exists primarily for the benefit of its non-members. This is such an important thing for you to understand. That, That as members, we come here, we want to be encouraged, equipped, we, but, but what are we encouraged and equipped to do? We're encouraged and equipped to follow Jesus on his mission in the world, which means that the primary purpose behind this church isn't those of us who are here. It's the people who aren't here. And that's going to require us to go outside of our comfort zone. And it's going to have to, we're going to have to recognize that things are going to be out of our control. We must be obedient to what God is calling us to do, even if it means we won't be able to control the outcome or predict the outcome. I think God's got some great things in store for our church but we have to be willing to recognize that he is the head of it. He is in control of it. It's his plans that we follow. Now, what does this mean for you personally? Well, if you're a member of the church, everything I said does apply to you personally, but I think it means something else for us also as individuals. First of all, I think it it recognizes that uh, if I'm going to follow Jesus, I'm going to have to go out of my way. You cannot stay where you are and follow Jesus. I've said this so many times, but it's worth repeating. You cannot stay where you are and follow Jesus. You have to be willing to step out of your comfort zone. You have to be willing to move out of your way. We drift constantly towards what is convenient. We drift constantly towards what is comfortable. You will never drift towards obedience to God. You will have to be intentional to be obedient to God. You do not have to be intentional to drift towards comfort and convenience. Spiritual disciplines, the things that we do every day in order to connect with God, may not be easy, may not always feel good, but it's kind of like exercise. It's kind of like eating right. We know that the long-term benefits are worth the short-term sacrifice, whatever we have to do. But ultimately, I don't even want it to be a sacrifice. I want us to be so much in love with Jesus that it's no sacrifice to spend time with him every day. 
But for some of us, if we're not there yet, sometimes it's sheer discipline every day to say, I'm gonna, I am going to pursue God knowing that he will find me as I'm searching for him. So we're going to have to be willing to move out of our way. We're going to have to be willing to move out of our comfort zone. If you are going to follow Jesus, you are going to have to move out of your comfort zone. God will call you to a place and a task that is beyond your current ability and knowledge. This is really, really important. Do not buy into the lie that God would never ask you to do something outside of your ability or your skill set. Because he has and he will. Otherwise, you can get all the credit for what God wants to do through you. And it's, the credit is not yours to have. So you think, well, God would never call me to do that because I've never. Nope, that may be a good indication that God is exactly calling you to do that. Because he gets the glory when you do it. Let me ask you a question. What risks are you taking for God right now? What risks? Where in your life are you uncomfortable because you're following Jesus? Where in your life right now have you had to set your plans aside in order to be obedient to what he's calling you to do? Where? I mean, I'm just asking. Because, because for some, you might need to take some time this week and think about that. Just where in my life right now am I moving outside of my comfort zone? Where am I moving outside of my current plans? What am I doing in order to follow after Jesus? And I think you're going to have to recognize it's going to be out of your control. You are not responsible to be the Holy Spirit. You're just responsible to obey the Holy Spirit. That's an important distinction. Some of you know people who try to be the Holy Spirit, right? Yeah, you don't want to be that person. But what you do want to be is obedient to the Holy Spirit. As long as you believe that you must control the circumstances, as long as you believe that you are responsible for the outcomes, you will never follow Jesus because faith means that you are not in charge, that you are not in control. But you do know the one who is, and you are responsible to be obedient to him. So for us to break out as a church and as individuals, we have to break out of a consumer Christianity, and we have to break out of our prison of comfort and convenience. And that is going to happen for each of us by the decisions we make when we leave this room today. You will be confronted with choices today that you will, have to, you will have to decide. Will I follow Jesus and break out of this comfort zone or will I stay where I am? And if you're going to follow him, you have to be willing to obey him. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. Our musicians are going to come back up. We're going to sing a song of invitation. For some of you who are here today, following Jesus begins even with an acknowledgement maybe for the very first time, of your faith in him. And so I would just invite you uh, today to step out of the aisles and come down and say, you know what, I, I have been here. I, 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 I've accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior, but I've never made that public. Maybe today you would just come down and say, hey, I just want people to know I'm a Jesus follower. It's uncomfortable. It's inconvenient. But maybe today that's your step of faith. For others of you, you've been following Jesus for a long time, but you haven't really been following Jesus. You followed him if it was comfortable, you followed him when it was convenient, but the truth is, if it ever exceeded your comfort level, if it ever exceeded what was convenient for you, that was your boundary marker. That's as far as you go. Maybe today you just come forward and pray at these steps and just repent and say, Lord, forgive me for all those times 
where the Holy Spirit was nudging me to put my phone down and speak to that person, and I didn't do it. But whatever it is that the Holy Spirit is doing in your life right now is an opportunity to respond and to be obedient. Will you stand together as we pray and then respond as we sing? Father, we, um, we come to you today and we are quick to confess, maybe more than any other Christians in the history of the world, we are so addicted to comfort and convenience. And it exists in plenty in our world and it's alluring and it's deceiving and we find ourselves just inoculated to the call of the gospel because we're so unwilling to give up our our comforts and our conveniences. Lord, I, I, I don't want to be a church um, that is for the comfortable. I want to offer comfort to those who are hurting. But Lord, I, I want us to be a people who are constantly challenged to, to step outside of our plans, outside of our comfort. Father, to, to move beyond where we can control the outcome and to see you do what only you can do. These stories that we read about in the Old Testament, I Lord, you you are doing work like this today in the world, and we want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of that. So I pray, Father, as individuals, that we would be committed, redouble our commitment to following Jesus wherever he would lead us. And so, Lord, for some of us today, maybe we just come in a spirit of repentance and just repent of our addiction to what is convenient and comfortable. Maybe for others today, the first step of obedience, as uncomfortable as it is, maybe as as intimidating as it might be would just be to step out and say, hey, I just want everybody here to know that I'm a Jesus follower. I'm I'm committed to following him wherever he leads. Lord, we invite you to move and to work in your church, in our hearts, however you will during this time. Come Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Amen. Amen.